I love to hear that name. I want you to turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Now, I want to let you know right up front this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. I want to let you know that I have every intention of not going long. Okay? I'm really trying to, okay, stop there. So, uh, and there's, I think there's a reason for that. I, I think sometimes we go over too much sometimes, and you're kind of just flooded with it. But I, I, I want today, I want to leave you with just one thing in particular, okay? And uh, so pray for shortness or whatever. We've been talking about the secret place. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus says this, But when you pray, go into your inner room, your secret place, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We spend a lot of time talking about the secret place. I think it's significant that before ever, before Jesus ever taught the disciples how to pray, he talked to them about where to pray. If we come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach me to pray, we expect him to give us some steps, give us some direction. And he comes and he says, when you pray, Go into your secret place. It appears that he wanted us to know that there is a place where the Father already dwells. Okay? Currently, presently. He wanted us to be aware that there is a place that the Father already dwells. And if we want to fellowship with him, we go to where he is. Pretty simple, isn't it? If I want a fellowship with you, we need to be together. We need to be where one another is. Trust me, you can't fellowship over text. It takes requires that personal interaction for real intimacy and oneness to take place. And I think he wanted us to know there is a place where the Father is already at. And if you want to fellowship with him, you go to that place. I think it's significant that he didn't say, if you want to pray, here's how you call God down to get him to be where you are. He didn't say, I want you to jump through these hoops in order to get God to pay attention to you when you pray. But what he said was, there is a place where the Father already is, and he is inviting you to go to that place and pray and fellowship and have oneness with him. Would you raise your right hand with me this morning? Everybody, just raise your right hand. Okay? Now, say this. No, I'm just kidding. 
I want you to take that hand and I want you to point to the place where he is. Here. This is where he is. He is there now. He has been there. From the moment you met the Lord, he has taken up residence here. And from the moment he met you, he has been drawing us to him. Using all kinds of external things, red birds, traffic accidents, whatever, uses all kinds of things that we might go to where he is and have fellowship with him and be intimate with him. He's here now. So how do we go there? That's the question of the ages. How do you get God with you? How do you get God? All religions are trying to answer that question. How do you get God with you? Or how do we get to God? Same thing. How do me and God get together? We need to ask the same question. How do I go where he is? How do I fellowship with him? How do I have intimacy with him? How do I get to where he is? Matthew 6 tells us. Three words. You see them? Close the door. Close the door. Close the door. We, we quote this verse, and Paul quoted some of it earlier, you know, in, in Revelation 3, I think it's 21, isn't it? Uh, if any, uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I'll come in, sup with him, and he with me. Okay? Close the door. Once he's come in, close the door. That's how we go where he is. He is here. We close the door. We close the door. We shut it out. Here's why closing the door is so significant. Because there is absolutely nothing outside of the door essential for me to fellowship with the Father. And let that sink in for a minute. There is nothing outside of the secret place that's necessary for me to know him, be intimate with him, to find out what he's like, to fellowship with him. There is absolutely nothing outside of the secret place that's necessary for me to be intimate with him. And the adverse of that is true. Everything I need to have fellowship with him is found within the secret place. There's nothing out there that's necessary for me to have fellowship with him where he lives in here. Everything I need for access to him and intimacy with him is found in the secret place. I see the wheels in your mind turning. Yeah, well, what about, how about this? And uh, how, about, how about that? I'll, I'll show you in a minute how significant that is. There was a time 
when that wasn't true. There was a time when we needed things outside that we might know God or fellowship with God or be made right with God. There was the tabernacle. There was the altars. There was the candlesticks. There was the showbread. There was the Ark of the Covenant. There was the priest. There was the sacrifices. There was a time when we needed all of those things, and God gave us those things that we might be made right with him. There was a time when all of those things were found externally. But even then, I couldn't personally come into his presence. Only a priest could do that, and only once a year, and only with shed blood. He went as a representative. I couldn't go. There was all of these exterior things that were required in order for me to have fellowship with him. But now everything from without has been realized in Christ who now lives in me. He is the altar. He is the sacrifice. He is the priest. He is the tabernacle. All of that, he is. And now he lives inside of me. And I don't need anything externally. He is the fulfillment of all of those external things. And he lives within me. What do I do now? How do I get there to fellowship with him? I close the door. Close the door. If there's nothing outside here that I need to have fellowship with him, why do I need to give it attention? Close the door. If everything I need to have fellowship with him resides in me, why do I need to go out there to do something or get something to try to bring in here to fellowship with him? He's here. He's provided the way. The veil has been torn in half. There is nothing externally that's ne- external that's necessary for me to try to bring or use that I can come into the presence of God. He is here, and he says to me, close the door, or they'll escape. When I turn my attention to where he lives and close the door, I am closing myself off from all the distractions. See, all this stuff out here is distractions. And when I turn my attention to where he is and close the door, I am leaving all of the man-made religious exercises I have been told or been led to believe are necessary for me to get there. I'm just closing the door. I'm shutting it behind me. Nothing out there I need. Everything I need is found in him. This may be the most significant physical expression of surrender that there is. Because we are so do-oriented. But for me to sit or lay, or walk, 
or sit in the cab of my wrecked car and I just surrender. Oh, Father, ain't nothing I can do to get here. Ain't nothing I can do to merit being here. But I am just turning my heart to you and closing off everything else that's out there to influence me. That may be the greatest expression of surrender. My hands aren't busy. My feet aren't busy. My body's not busy. My mind's not busy. I've closed the door. Shut the door. I'm here. And I can do that anywhere at any time. But I promise you, it's easier when you do it deliberately to then learn to do it spontaneously. For instance, if I said to, uh, oh, let's see. Uh, If I said to Tim, Tim, I want you with your mind, just your mind, to close that door over there. (laughs) He's going to have an aneurysm before that door closes with just his mind. It will take a deliberate choice and an intentional action to get up Go over there and close the door. The same is true in going into the secret place. It's a deliberate choice. It is a deliberate intention. I'm saying no to outward stimulus. I'm saying no to religious hoops that I've been led to believe are necessary. And I'm saying yes to him. This may be the most difficult thing there is for some of us when it comes to going in the secret place. Because we are saturated with physical stimulus. We give ourselves to physical stimulus all day long. Pick up your phone. I pick up my phone. Turn on the TV. I turn on the TV. Turn on the radio. I turn on the radio. All of these external stimulus. And there comes a point where I become their servant instead of them becoming my servant. And I live all day long by yielding to these and saying yes to these things. And then all of a sudden I say no. And they go, what? You're going to do what? You're going to, there's nothing wrong with having a drink. You're going to do what? There's nothing wrong with playing with your phone. You're going to do what? And because that attraction, because that chain is so strong, it's very difficult for us to say no and say yes to the Lord. And and I'm imagining someone's mind here. When I say there's nothing outside of here that's necessary for me to fellowship with the Father. But what about the Bible? What about the Bible? Got to have the Bible to have fellowship with God. John 1, 1 says what? In the beginning was the word. Not this word, this word. In the beginning was the word. 
Now, this can be an aid to quiet my soul in order to come into his presence, but I don't have to have this to fellowship with him in his presence. In fact, there comes the time as I'm studying and as I'm meditating, I need to just shut it and be still and just listen and just fellowship with him at that level. Well, what about Christian music? I just have Christian music. I play Christian music all the time. It just does. Listen, you might challenge this, but this is my observation. The church as a whole is extremely close to making an idol out of worship music. Because we think because we have participated in that song, I've worshiped. You may have, but you may not have. As we look at our body, we see the picture of the Old Testament of the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, there was the courtyard, there was the holy place, and there was the holy of holies. In the courtyard, there was all this activity. There was singing, there was praising, there was, there was all these things going out there. That's my body. Those things take place in my body. Then there was this next room. It was the holy place. Priests went in there and they'd go in there and they'd perform their ceremonies and they'd do all they think. That's my soul. But then there was this holy of holies. And that's where the glory of God dwelt. And you know what sound there was in there? Zero. Silence. The sound of God. And scripture tells us about the Holy of Holies, that it's the place where Moses went to hear the Lord. He didn't talk. We don't have any record of him talking while he's in there. Matter of fact, when the priest would go into there, you know, if they talked, there was fear of death. And when they died, they'd drag them out. It was complete silence. Why? Because there's nothing out here that I need to fellowship with the Father. It can be an instrument to quiet my body and my soul to get there. But once I'm there, I don't need all of that. I just need him. And if you're one of those that that you say, well, I need something to kind of gear down with. I get that. I understand that. Do it. Turn on your worship music. Sing the loud as you can. But at some point, allow that to usher you into his presence. And I'm telling you, at that point, the most beautiful worship song there is will be a distraction. Because you want anything but him. Oh, don't. I don't want any, nothing. I just want to be here with him. Quiet in his presence. And you know what happens then? He does his thing. Just because it's quiet doesn't mean he's not doing something. Let him do his thing. He said, if I behold him, if I behold him, beholding him means I'm not beholding him and beholding this. 
I am beholding him. I don't have this distraction. I am beholding him. As I beholding him, he transforms me from glory to glory. That is so foreign to us because we've, we, we, we want to measure results. And it's not up to me. I am not the fruit checker of the vineyard. The husbandman is. The father is. So I trust that even in this silence, even as I behold you, you're doing something in me. And I bless you for that. Shut the door. Just just shut it. Shut the door. Were you raised in a barn? Shut the door. Father, let us see the value of you living inside of us. Make us aware of your drawing us. Give us understanding of what it means to just shut ourselves in to you and shut everything else out that would draw me from you and behold you to see you who you are. You are sufficient. You do and are have everything we need to have intimacy with you. So, Father, just draw us. Turn up the drawing. And we bless you for doing that. Now, let me say something to you. One of the ways you'll know that God's drawing you is that all that stuff out there loses its taste. You just don't have a taste for that anymore. And the natural tendency is, well, I'll find something else to replace it. Nothing out there will satisfy what only inside can provide. And that's him. And as you find things, I just didn't, I don't, folks, you can't, you can't tell me anything redeemable on TV. All right. I mean, I watch it, you know, probably more than I do. But I'm like Tanya said, there's been times now the Lord saying, you really want to do this? And I say, no, not really. Let's go upstairs and spend some time with you. Stuff just doesn't doesn't taste like it did before. Doesn't bring that contentment. Doesn't bring, it's not really contentment. It's just a distraction from everything. Ask him to draw you. Ask him to turn that up. All right, any questions? Any questions? Close the door. That's the word. Hug on, she's going to get it on. <laughs> but when I was in that truck, my doors were shut. <laughs> and for some strange reason, I wasn't in a hurry to get out of that truck. <laughs> So I didn't mean to rhyme, but it just came out that way. <laughs> Joey. <clears throat> okay, so um, I know that the Lord is here, but um, I'm thinking about that song. It's in my head. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. Is there a... 
an abiding spirit that comes and goes and influences us in a different environment. I mean, we... Shekinah glory of the Lord is that is that separate from from the presence of the Lord in my heart? Is there a an outward manifestation of the Spirit and the presence of God that um, is? Do you know what I'm asking? Okay, let me see if I can can address that. I don't even know what, how to. Yeah, say. I, I understand what you're saying. Is there is there an outward manifestation of the presence of God? And the answer to that is yes. And the second answer to that is there's not a thing you can do to make it happen. So we should not ask. Here's what I believe the process is. God doesn't just fall on somebody and save them. Where does he start? He starts from the inside. He draws them from the inside. So my response to that is to cooperate with him as he wants to manifest himself through me. To others, because he's going to manifest himself to them through their heart, through their conscience. I, I think what we really are looking for a lot of times is we're looking for these outward indications that God is here, and that's that's a tricky proposition. God can come in here and work through every one of our hearts. There will be an outward manifestation. It may not be here. It may be in your truck. It may be where for the first time ever, here in a crisis, my heart is immediately drawn to the Father. It may be as I reach out to the homeless, as I'm driving down the road and he quickens my heart to do that. Those are things that we can respond to immediately. Jack Taylor used to say revival, and that's what we're talking about is where God just moves in. Revival is where God just draws a circle around an area and tells the devil to step out, and God moves in. If there's a formula for that, I've never found it, and not because I haven't sought it. I used to just preach over and over that if you would do this, God will do this. And then I see God doing this, and these guys never asked for it. I don't know the answer to that. I know God can do anything he wants to do. But I know that there are areas where he's invited me to cooperate with him. That's what I'm concerned about, that we learn to cooperate with him individually, corporately, to manifest himself through us. Does that in any way answer your question? I know it doesn't. I, 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 don't, there's, I don't think there's an answer to that question. It's just God can if he wants to. Yeah. 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 We'll have to get that from. Yeah. I, from the- I don't have any more answer than that really to it. And if you've got an answer to it, I'd like to know what it is. Because chances are I've tried that. You well, know. And, and maybe that's what I'm talking out of is. You know, 50 years of... Crying out to God to do yeah, something. And, yeah, and I mean, we've seen it. You and I have yeah. seen God doing some things. And I... Uh, we saw God say... We were in a church of maybe 100 in California. And one Sunday, we saw God save 32 church members. 
just, he did it. People were out in the, out in the yard weeping, crying out for God. And I'm going, what? <laughs> I mean, that was my heart to see that. But I can tell you, there wasn't anything I did that triggered that in God that he said, okay, now I'm going to do it. He just does things. What is he doing through us? What does he want to do through us? Anybody else? Okay. All right, let me just say one more thing about Joni's question. I think, I think integrity has to play a big part in this because the church is so desperate for the magical. We buy into stuff that does not in any way look like the God of Scripture, and we think that's God. And many times it's a soulish uh, stimulation. Sometimes it's just a fleshly stimulation. And we buy that and mark that as God when it doesn't look anything like the God of Scripture. So you can, we can all be deceived. All right? All right. You're dismissed.